lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news of peace and salvation. Our God reigns. That's Isaiah 52.7 in the Bible. It's an ancient prophecy of the coming of Christ to reconcile us to God. Come is the word of Advent, and it's the theme of this series of Soul Talks podcasts. We're blessed to have you join us as we come to Jesus together. Come on in for a Soul Talk. We're beginning a series for Advent on the theme of come. Jesus says to us, come with a smile and open arms, and he invites us into an intimate, ongoing, conversational, interactive relationship with him and his Father. And we are excited. I see you smiling, Christy, just even listening to this. I'm so grateful that God takes initiative to welcome us and to call us to him, and so grateful that we can journey together in in responding to his call. Advent is a happy season. It is a a, a joy for us to celebrate the birth of Christ with you, our friends, and we want to give a welcome to Laura, who responded to one of our blogs that Christy wrote, saying that soul shepherding has been a great encouragement to me. As a pastor's wife, I sometimes feel like a wallflower. And I'm glad to know that I'm not alone. So, Laura, we're glad to have you in our community. We are. So often we take for granted our pastor's wives. And so we're grateful that when we can do a little bit to help people understand just the special call that that is. And we probably have some pastor's husbands listening, too. We welcome you as well. And whatever place you have in life. children. (laughs) That's right. However, you're serving the Lord. As Christ's ambassador, welcome to the Soul Shepherding community and to Soul Talks. We are really glad you join us. And Christy, uh, you're going to share with us about an experience that you had recently that inspired the, the blog that's coming out this Tuesday morning. Hope our listeners have signed up for our blog. You get that on your email every Tuesday, the Soul Shepherding blog, and uh, love the meditation that you wrote for that this week. Thank you. Well, I am so blessed to be in a community of women that I get to gather with every Wednesday and spend time meditating on God's Word together. And we are currently going through the book of Luke and here in chapter one, really taking just a little bit of a passage of the scripture at a time and going deep with it, spending some time in solitude and silence and prayer and journaling and then sharing out of that. And you know, Bill, I always love Advent season. One of my favorite things to do in Advent is to use the prayer pictures, the Advent devotional resource that we've got in our store on Soul Shepherding. We've made this an annual tradition that every Advent we pick a character from the Advent story um, to kind of just journey with through Advent. And you've put together, you've made it easy for us in this resource online to kind of pick who would the Lord call us to journey with and really spend time thinking and reflecting on how God said come to them and how they responded to that invitation and how that intersects with our life today. And so that's part of what I share in this devotional coming up and what, as I was meditating on Mary's experience with God saying come to her through the angel Gabriel, and then specifically her Magnificat. I was really drawn to these words. Now, this is the Passion Translation that I'm going to read from here. Mm -hmm. In her song, in the Magnificat, she says, My soul is ecstatic 
overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God, for he has set his tender gaze upon me. Mm. I can see how you could spend 30 minutes in quiet meditating on that. Yes. I mean, this, this calm, this, this gaze, this God sees me, it's, it's so important. Mm-hmm. We have a granddaughter, and I will see her just, you know, if when, when we're all together as a family and we're kind of talking, I'll kind of see her look around the room, and then as soon as mm-hmm. she catches the eye of somebody who sees her, she lights up. Mm-hmm. She she responds to our tender gaze. She wants her. to know somebody sees me, and I, I love that. I'm, mm-hmm. I, she calls me Papa, or, or hopefully she will call me Papa, and when she sees her Papa... Looking at her with a smile, yeah, her face brightens up, and she does the same thing for you or Gigi and all the people who love her. Because it's this instinctive need that we have to know that that we're seen, that we're wanted, that we matter. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and that somebody else is calling us out into relationship, into into life, and that's ultimately what God does for us. Mm-hmm. And so, just just thinking about this, the. Magnificent. Some of the other lines in here that that spoke to me were: "Mercy kisses all his godly lovers from one generation to the next. Those who hunger for him will always be feel, filled." And I would say, those who hunger to look for his gaze will also find it. And those who hunger to hear Jesus call them to come. The light of God on the face of Jesus is what warms our hearts. Mm. It is the the joy and the energy of our lives, for sure. And we don't don't want to lose that. We want to uh, cultivate that. And Advent is a season to renew that for those of us who have have faith in Jesus and have trusted him. And uh, if you're listening and you haven't yet trusted Jesus, now is the time to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a, a celebratory season to... When we realize that uh, the gaze of God is upon me, and it's not with a frown, but it's with a shining face of delight. Like our Creator loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. He does. And sometimes He will come to us and speak to us through a character in Scripture. And that's one of the things that He's doing right now in my life is as I you know, spend time just really meditating on these scriptures and, and putting myself in Mary's shoes, but then also listening to how, how am I relating to Mary's experience. So for me, that came through just thinking about what a big deal it was for Mary to get this message, you know, this for God to, to have, he, he says, the, the angel says, you know, you are favored, your favored one. And one of the other women in our Bible study, and this is what's so neat about being in community, is you know, you hear God through others too, was talking about what it meant to be favored and out of her meditation time. And she was talking about, you know, we we tend to think of to be favored means that we're not gonna have any suffering. Like it's all gonna be it's all gonna be great for us, right? But you look at scripture and the people that God favored, you know, there was a lot of suffering there with them. They were they were favored, but they, with that favor, came a lot of a lot that was required of them. And as she pondered this, she came down to realizing that, and felt like I was saying to her, "Well, what does it mean to be favored? It means I'm with you in the, in the ups and the downs, in all the circumstances, in the in the sufferings and in the rejoicings. I'm with you. My presence is with you. I, 
you can come to me, I've come to you. That's what it means to be favored. And so as I was meditating and thinking about that and how, you know, God has favored me too and, and God favored Mary, I was thinking about Mary's journey and her journey with Jesus and all the suffering. And I was thinking about how hard it must have been for her after being so favored and all the hope and promises and experience and expectation of being the mother of the Messiah, you know, and then he leaves at age 30. He leaves the family. I'm thinking Mary's already lost Joseph. She's already had a big loss in grief. She's got other children that Jesus has been very helpful to her in, in raising and um, providing for, you know, and, and things in that day that I'm sure Jesus, in his role, would have been, you can relate to this as the oldest child yeah. in your family with four younger siblings, but just thinking about what a loss for Mary and how insecure that must have been for her. And also just wondering if she, she must have felt so impatient sometimes, like, you know, God, when are you going to reveal that my son's the Messiah? You know, when, when is something going to happen here? And does it look like it? Or, you know, but then the having to let go and and still hope, but the sacrifice in, in doing that, in the letting go. So there's a lot there in Mary's emotions that you're dialing into. There's mm-hmm. her her sense of coming to really depend on Jesus as her her oldest son and uh, so loving and responsible and helpful. Obviously, probably he became the man of the house after Joseph died, Jesus' father, Mary's husband, and uh, so there's a very strong bond there, and Jesus stays in the home until age 30. And so he's providing for the family, mm-hmm. probably took over his father's business, that, yeah. that sort of a thing. I think she probably felt like Jesus was her best gift in life. Yeah. You know, and, and her sense of security. Like the, the Messiah had come to her, and uh, and yet she knew that he was for the world, trying to discern what that meant probably, so that the pain of letting go mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the grief, the loss, maybe the sense of abandonment, the fear, mm-hmm. all those emotions that she would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the, sort of on the other side of it, as someone waiting for the Messiah to be revealed, then yeah, she'd probably be impatient. Like, well, okay, well, let's you know, save us from Rome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what everybody understood the Messiah to be, is mm-hmm. going to make Israel powerful and great. And uh, de- deliver all the Jewish people from their oppressors mm-hmm. and bring justice, mm-hmm. finally, because yeah. they, they were really being mistreated with exorbitant taxes, with uh, being uh, physically mistreated in many horrible ways. There was a lot, yeah. a lot of pain and suffering, and mm-hmm. they wanted a deliverer. Mm-hmm. So she's watching Jesus' public ministry now at this point, and, and this, you know, some years, three years this is going on, and no, no Messiah in the way that she was expecting. So. Right. Well, and to, to just a mother's heart, you know, we get so bonded with our children. And, you know, one of my other friends in, in this small group pointed out about how she feels like she kind of grew up with her firstborn. It was her firstborn's birthday. And she was talking about, you know, this is, this is the child that I kind of grew up with as I raised her. And, you know, that's true for us. And I'm sure that was true for Mary being such a young girl, especially, you know, Jesus would have been a huge part of Mary growing up into an adult and learning, you know, to give and care and and all that. And there's a there's a special bond that comes with that. And then thinking about, you know, how I feel for my children, how it must have been for Mary 
hard to feel those ups and downs of Jesus's ministry, to see him, you know, the crowds pushing him in anger, wanting to push him off a cliff, and how that must have felt to her to see him rejected and persecuted. And then at the same time, her elation and her hope with the crowds following and wanting to make him king, you know, I mean, it's just the yo-yo that she would have gone with emotionally. Yeah, all, all of us who are parents can relate to that, how we will tend to live through our children, mm-hmm. not only when they're they're little and going through school and sports or music, other activities, drama, uh, whatever it might be, but in a, into adulthood with, mm-hmm. with their, their jobs, getting married, when they have their own kids, we become grandparents. Uh, all the, the experiences that our kids have, we, we we continue with concern for them and prayers for them and, and parenting them, and we ride those ups and downs. Right, and yet in all of this, she was highly favored. Probably didn't feel like it at some of those times when it was so painful, but God was with her in the ups and in the downs. He was with Jesus, too, and so that's what's speaking to me. You're taking that, heart I'm from taking Mary's heart. faith. Her faith uh, in Jesus, her faith in in God, that in the ups and downs, in the difficult circumstances, that God is present, God's kingdom is present, and there is this favor of the Lord shining on me, even if my circumstances don't look like it. Yes, and his tender gaze is still upon me, just like his tender gaze was still upon Mary. Yeah, and the Magnificat that she sings is very much of that theme that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, very interesting that Jesus' Beatitudes are very similar to Mm -hmm. the Magnificat, which is similar to Hannah's prayer way back in the Old Testament. But it's this this great theme that even in trials and difficulties and injustice and hurts, that, that God is present and God's favor is is wonderful. It's sweet. It's powerful. It's a source of identity. And we we can live from this this hidden kingdom in the visible world. Yeah, what you're saying here is really, really important, Bill. What you're saying is this is for us today. This wasn't just for Mary or for the Bible characters. This is for us today. And Jesus is saying, come. He's calling us into this life with him and his kingdom now. And Advent is an opportunity for us to respond to that. Yeah, and so I think our appreciation of this this great gospel truth that uh, God is glad to see us. God uh, rejoices over us with singing and quiets us with his love, as Zephaniah 3.17 says, that, that Jesus puts the, that makes it clear that God's face is friendly. Mm-hmm. God's face has always been friendly, but mm-hmm. it's not as easy to see in the Old Testament. And in Jesus, flesh and blood human being, we see uh, God and his grace. Mm-hmm. We see his compassion. We see his mercy. And we see how that is wedded to uh, truth, righteousness and peace, kiss, they come together. And so um, it's, it's all about Jesus. And so to appreciate this, the, the delight of the Lord over us, we, we need to experience that not only in times like in your, your group, you're giving us a great example, that this, this is an important way that in the context of Christian community, in the context of solitude and silence and meditation on scripture, these are, these are ways that we... Uh, can experience God's love, but that community piece, we, we need to go deep with that, and sometimes a lot deeper than the typical Bible studies take us, because if we haven't experienced in our life a human being who uh, delights in us, who uh, is so glad to see us, and who uh, really wants to know us, to, to know our, 
our not, not just our, our pleasing traits, but our, our, our weaknesses, and uh, that they, they forgive us of our, our sins, and they respect us even when we make mistakes, and uh, they're, they're really uh, doing life with us and happy, happy to see us, to know us, to journey with us. If we haven't experienced that, and especially if we didn't experience that early in our, our development and our formation, it's hard to see that it's really true. Very hard. The Lord delights over me. That's right. And it feels vulnerable to put ourselves in community with people if we don't don't have an experience of that or don't trust that people would be happy to see us or respond to us that way. And you know, I remember Bill, I you know, I've I've tried. I remember entering community. In fact, when when I had our first child and the first mops group I ever joined, you know, it was so vulnerable because I would show up every week and nobody was happy to see me. Nobody would sit with me. I, you know, I remember going to sit down for the speaker, and no matter what I tried, how friendly I tried to be, how cute I tried to dress, how, you know, uh, where I sat in the room, nobody would ever sit by me. And in the small group, I, 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 did, I felt invisible. I felt like everybody else knew each other and were connected, and you know, would would talk to each other. But I just kind of felt like nobody really was happy that I was there in their small group, and it was painful for me. So you're really feeling left out, like you didn't belong there. I did. I felt unwanted, unseen, even rejected. It was it was really hard. And so actually after after a year of really trying to break into that church community, we left the church because it was so painful for me week after week to go and feel like nobody nobody saw me. Nobody was happy I was there. Nobody wanted me there. Yeah, it's so vulnerable when you're you you keep coming and then you're trying to strike up conversations. You're trying to, to break into a group and, and be a part and uh, be a blessing to people mm-hmm. and develop relationship, but you're you're feeling shunned. Yes, and I've experienced this so much in my life, and I want our listeners to know that because you know you hear me say, "Oh, Chris, you know I'm talking about my Bible study I'm in and how great it is, and you know this community I have, and it, it is." But I want them to know it hasn't always been that way for me. That I've had probably more experiences that have been you know painful in my life and community than I have these happy to see you ones. But it takes that persistence of really working it and really trusting God. And so these happy to see you relationships, this sense of bonding that you experience now when you're in this kind of a relationship, this is really powerfully forming for you in your identity. Yes. And healing for me in those areas where I felt so rejected and then went to shame. Yeah, because even even in your story growing up, being uh, sensitive and having deep feelings, and not knowing how where where to bring that in the, the family context with parents and uh, older sisters that are strong thinkers, and uh, so the sense of the the deep nurture connection and that someone's glad to see you on the inside, your your, your emotions. That's that's a whole healing journey for you to discover that more, and it's been beautiful to watch you. Trust the Lord with that, and in your relationships with your 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 mom and your sister, especially how the Lord has really opened that up, and you you would say how you you feel they're glad to see you, Very and you much. feel known and cared for, Very and, and how that's been a part of your growing intimacy with Jesus now. But it's been a journey. Well, yeah, and I had to recognize where I was projecting rejection, you know, onto other people too, where it wasn't there, where I wasn't expecting people to be happy to see me too, because of you know those areas where I felt rejected. So I think that's, you know, having to take responsibility for my part in that too. That's a really important point here. 
uh, we're into the sort of the spiritual psychology of our attachment with God mm-hmm. and h- how we come to really trust God's love. But w- one of the things that, r- that really blocks us from experiencing God's grace is these negative projections that mm-hmm. we put onto God, but also onto people mm-hmm. who could be Christ's ambassadors to us. Right. Yes. And so God is looking to love us uh, spiritually, supernaturally, and the scriptures testify to that, but also in very uh, organic, natural ways through person-to-person relationships. But those are those are a two-way street, and you're giving us some uh, real um, testimony and inspiration around that. Well, this is a process, and it takes it takes time. It takes working at relationships. It takes sort of finding. The, the right fit with someone that is emotionally safe for us and someone that is walking in faith with Jesus, but also uh, really authentic and compassionate. And then, we, you know, we journey together. And this is very much at the heart of Soul Talks. So uh, we're talking about come. Jesus is glad to see you. And we are so thankful that you've joined us in this conversation. And we are thankful to all of you who donate to Soul Shepherding you sponsor this podcast, you sponsor our, our ministry to, to pastors, to pastors' spouses, to uh, all kinds of men and women in ministry, hopefully including you, and uh, we trust that you are serving the Lord in some way and that Soul Shepherding is helping you do that. So we uh, really appreciate your donations, and if it would give you joy to donate to Soul Shepherding, that's easy to do. Just go on our website, click Donate. And you can do that right there. And uh, if you would like to to buy our resource devotionals and prayer pictures for Advent, that's nine ninety nine. If you'd rather just give us a, a donation, and we can send you that resource as a thank you gift, just uh, let us know that, and we'll we'll get that resource sent to you. Uh, you can just send us an email uh, along those lines. We're blessed to have you in the community with us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you call each one of us personally to come to you. Pray that you would open the eyes of each person listening to see your tender gaze and ignite their hearts to respond, to trust and believe that they are highly favored by you, that you long for them to come and connect with you, to see that you're so happy to be with them. We ask, Lord Jesus, that they would be able to respond to your love, your initiative, with a response of a song of praise, just like Mary did. All for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Your donations to Soul Shepherding cover the production costs of this podcast, so we can offer it free of charge every week. You can give online at soulshepherding.org or mail a check to our office address. Soul Shepherding, 4000 Barranca Parkway. Suite 250, Irvine, California, 92604. You'll find a link and our address in the show notes for this podcast. Thank you for partnering with us to help pastors and leaders thrive with Jesus.